You're listening to an audio sermon from Hope Bible Church Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit hopekelowna.ca. Turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 3 and uh, grab a Bible. It's important that you have God's Word in your hands. If you're at one of our gathering locations and you don't have a Bible, you can get up now and you can walk to the table. There is a Bible there. There's a few extra Bibles that we would love for you to take and to follow along and to take that home if you don't have a Bible of your own. Uh, don't have a Bible at home, please take that. That's our gift to you. And have a pen handy, piece of paper, kids. There's kid sheets available for you to follow along. Encourage you to do that on the online lobby if you're watching from home. The kid sheets uh, were put on the online lobby as well. And we're just thankful that we can um, be together in this way. Different locations, different places that you may be from. But one church, united under God. And now united together in the word of God. Well, I think in, in many ways, this picture pretty much sums up where things have been since last Tuesday. Um, when it comes to the U.S. election, isn't it? You've probably seen this on social media of just a map and a kid has, scri- has scribbled all across it and it's just great confusion. And that's been pretty much our lives as we've been watching on um, everything taking place since last Tuesday night. Or, or I like, like this one. This is a pretty good one. With all this stress, um, all this stress eating, I'll be at 270 before either candidate will be. And I thought that was very good as well as uh, for, for many are, are very obsessed and, and watching what has been taking place south of the border. I think we are all probably, if you've been watching it at all, uh, in a post-election days. And that days and confusion may continue on for a while. And it just continues to add to the craziness of 2020. And, and there's just instability and craziness that is taking place in our world in so many different levels. So why don't we fill our minds now with the Word of God as we get into God's Word to, together. And I just want to read, just wash you in God's Word for a few moments here. Look at Psalm 20, verse 7. It reminds us that some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Amen? Amen on that one. Psalm 118, verse 9. It says, it is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. And so whether we have our hope in, in, in our political leaders or in our bosses or in, in, in perhaps even our spouses or whoever it might be, it's better to take refuge in our Lord. And, and then also in Proverbs 18, this isn't on uh, the screen, but Proverbs 18 verse 10, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. And we desire to do that. And even as we're gathering together today under the banner of God's word, would we be safe as we come under the strong power of God's word in our lives, um, taking in, in the Holy Spirit, teaching and convicting and working in our lives as we go through a passage here today. Just a reminder in the book of Peter here, Peter was writing this letter to Christians who were experiencing some very difficult days. They were facing mounting and growing trials and persecution for their faith. In fact, from now on to the end of the letter of 1 Peter, the theme of suffering and suffering for truth, suffering for Christ, suffering for truth, is basically the theme of the rest of the book. And and it talks about intensifying struggles and suffering. Chapter 4, it mentions the fiery trials. And indeed, there would be fiery trials that the Christians would eventually start to face 
once again, for their faith and their obedience to the word of God. They would be punished and tortured, and fire would be used for some of them in this way. And Peter does not just simply tell us how to kind of hold on and survive, kind of white-knuckle it until, until things get better. He doesn't just tell us how to get through it, but how to thrive, how we can worship and proclaim and experience Christ's power and his presence in our lives, no matter the trials, no matter what may come our way, no matter what we're currently going through, or even some of the shrapnel that we have from what has happened to us in the past. God is sovereign, God is good, and he will take us triumphantly through this life right into eternity as his children. And last week we, we looked at, from the previous verses, we, we talked about love like this. How we are to act and react despite the strong differences, opinions, and views that we might have with one another. How we are to love and, and, and care for one another in the body of Christ as well as to a watching world. Today we're going to look at chapter 3 verses 13 to 17 and we're going to see how to suffer. And Peter is basically saying, here's how you suffer, suffer like this. And so let's read here in, in verse 13. Now, now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. This passage gives us some great instruction on how we are to face trials, how we are to, to endure suffering, that is sure to come in the Christian life. First truth I encourage you to write down is first of all, prepare to suffer and prepare to suffer well. Not just suffering to get through it, not to suffer miserably, but to suffer well. And suffering and trials are a part of life for everyone. You can't escape it. And it is especially true for the Christian. We are not exempt from trials and from suffering. Look at what it says in Job chapter 14, verse 1. It says, man who is born of woman is few of days and full of trouble. My parents oftentimes said that about me, just period, that I was full of trouble. But, but it reminds us here that man who is born of a woman, so any man, and this means any woman, the days are few and they will be filled with trouble, with turbulent times. And yet it all happens Everything that has happened in your life so far and that will continue to happen, everything in our world is under the watchful, sovereign control of God. And Isaiah chapter 14, verse 24, I encourage you to be writing down these references. The verses are up on the screen, but it says, here is God talking. And he's saying, as I have planned, so shall it be. And as I have purposed, so shall it stand. God reminding us that he is sovereign, he is in control. And this was, isn't up on the screen, but you can write down John chapter 16, verse 33, where Jesus said, in this world, you will have troubles, but take heart, I have overcome. He says that he can, Jesus says he can, he will overcome, overpower 
our trials and our troubles. And here's the reality. Encourage you to write this down, this down as well. We are all either going into, in the midst of, or coming out of trial and suffering. That's just a, a true statement. You're either heading into a trial, you're heading into suffering, you're either in the midst of it, or maybe it's in the rearview mirror and, and, and there, there's been a trial that you've been able to endure and, and, and you're still living to talk about it. I think of our church family right now who are going into or in the midst of some trials, some pretty heavy things. A young couple who, um, expecting their third child, and the pregnancy has not gone at all how they have planned. Their lives have been turned upside down in the last number of weeks. And yet in hearing from them, they are giving God thanks for his presence and his peace and his power. A few of our dear folks in our church this past week or in recent weeks have received the news that cancer has spread in their loved ones. This week, a father and a grandfather to one of our families here in the church suddenly died after a long illness. And we have a family in our church that is grieving. One of our dear seniors was told recently that he won't walk again, meaning that he is unable to return home to live with his wife in their house. This week, we had a, held a small and family-only internment for one of the dear ladies in our church who passed away early last spring, and everything was delayed because of COVID, and finally the family said, let's have this private small burial. It wasn't how her golden years were supposed to go. And yet we celebrate the life of Carol and what God taught us through her and how God was faithful to her right to the end. And just prior to recording this service this weekend, I stood at the hospital bed of Sandy Whale where just this week the doctors advised her and Al to assemble the family because her earthly end is near. Then there are things, the things that you are facing. I didn't mention everything that is going on because I don't have all the time to be able to do it and I don't know everything that is going on in your life, in our church family's life. No one does except God does. He knows what you are facing personally. He knows what you're facing in your family. He knows what's happening in, in, in your education, in your work, in your finances. We have the various things that we are, the trials and the suffering and the questions that we are facing. As well, we are all walking through together, kind of just the walking confused and everything associated with COVID-19. Yet for the believer in Christ, our suffering and our trials, they're not a surprise to God, nor are they wasted. Listen to what James chapter 1 verse 2 says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. You see, trials, if we are trained by them, can wean us from the world, from self-reliance, from thinking I've got this, because none of us can, even know how high and mighty and powerful and wonderful and disciplined and amazing and whatever kind of heritage and whatever kind of giftings and abilities that you have, you can't make it on your own. We can't run on our own power and our own strength. That's arrogance. And arrogance is, and, and pride is an affront to God. Instead, in humility, trials humble us 
Trials allow the, to burn off the dross, the sin, the junk in our lives that doesn't need to be there and our focus becomes squarely greater in a, in a more wonderful and more extreme way on Jesus. If we have been running away from God, oftentimes trials and suffering can bring us back to God. If we're believers in Christ, that's what it's going to do. Trials and suffering can drive us to prayer, drive us to the word, drive us to intimacy, a greater intimacy with God. They drive us and should drive us into authentic community where we have brothers and sisters standing and praying and and, and walking with us. We need that, each one of us. You can't make it on your own. You can't do it. And ultimately, trials bring us to surrender on our knees, independence before God, where we say, oh God, I cannot do it. I cannot do it. We're broken. We're on our face before him. And that is a good, in fact, that is the best place to be. That is the place we are to be daily in our lives. Oh God, I can't, but God, you can. Oh God, I'm sinful, but you are worthy. God, I'm unable, but you are mighty and you are powerful. And ultimately in trials, we have this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 to 18. Listen to these verses. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. So folks, because of this hope, we don't lose heart. We continue on. We persevere. We count it joy. We know that God will do much for his glory in our lives, in our trials, in our suffering. But we must prepare to suffer because it's coming but may we suffer well. And Peter is preparing God's people for suffering to suffering well. Look what he says in verse 13 and 14. It says, Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Now generally, when you are zealous, intent, focused on doing good, you generally don't suffer, right? When you're focused on driving, on you know, obeying the traffic lights, the stop signs, the school zones, you're not texting and driving, none of that kind of thing. Generally, it's going to go well for you, right? You're not going to get a ticket. Now, if you do some of those things, it generally won't go well for you eventually, even though you might think you can get away with it. You can't. Eventually, it catches up. And so in the same way, when we are zealous and we desire to live good lives and faithful lives, it's appreciated. We get thanked. Wherever we go, there should be an element of of thankfulness because we as believers are in this world making a difference, shining the light of Christ, showing his love, being loving, forgiving, being good people, good citizens, hard workers. And Peter says, though, living a good and a godly life can silence the ignorance of foolish people or the misunderstandings or assumptions that some people have about Christianity because of some bad apples. And let's face it, there's a lot of hurt out there. There's a lot of cynicism in our world because of believers, because of past experiences that, that people have seen of, of, from believers, how they've, they've lived, or maybe it was even in their own home, or maybe it was in a church that they used to go to, and they saw the ugly side of that. They saw the ugly underbelly. 
They've seen some bad examples. And so Peter is saying, hey, you live in a good life. Living a, being zealous for doing what is good. And being a great example to be a great co-worker. To be a hard worker, to be a faithful employee, to, as we volunteer, as we serve in different capacities, to, to bring good. You generally won't suffer for that. But Peter says in verse 14, but even if you should suffer for righteousness, you'll still be blessed. You see, here's the thing. Christians don't create problems. When we are doing what we ought to do, we're not creating problems. We're living the way that we ought to be. And, and we are living in a way that is right with the universe, that is right with God, that is right with his teaching. But we don't create problems, but you know what we do? We reveal them as well. We reveal them in the world. We're not creating them, but we reveal them. When Joseph, take for example in Genesis 33, was he, when he was in Potiphar's house, and he turned and he ran away from the sexual advances of his boss's wife, that no doubt was the culture in that palace, in that country. We know it was a god, godless, terrible country uh, that, that he was living in, in Egypt. But what he did is he exposed a culture of sexual immorality that already existed. And by him refusing and running and doing the right and the godly thing, it exposed the sin, it exposed what was really going on, and he suffered for righteousness. He did the right thing and he suffered. And that's at times will happen in our lives. But even Peter says, hey, when you suffer for doing what is right, you're, you're still going to be blessed. He ended up going to prison. But even there, God used him to mold and to shape him into the man of God that he would become. To be in the bloodline that would produce the Messiah that Jesus would be from. And all of this is true in our lives today. If you have put your faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and believe that he paid the full and satisfying payment for your sins on the cross, that he took the punishment and the wrath that was coming your way because of your sin. And when we believe in faith, that is what he has done for us and that we have turned to him and received his salvation, his forgiveness by faith, asking him to be our Lord and our Savior, you instantly, in that moment, become a child of God. You are justified. You are declared in right standing before God. You are adopted into the family of God. So many incredible things take place in that moment of salvation, but also in that moment of salvation, you become an enemy at odds with the devil and the spiritual forces of wickedness and oftentimes even people that are ultimately under the control of the evil one. We will be at odds. We will rub people the wrong way simply because we have a faith in Jesus Christ. You see, a Christian is someone, a genuine Christian is someone who desires to live out God's truth, to proclaim the gospel. That is our call. That is our mission. That song that, that, that some of you growing up in Sunday school would have, would have probably sung, hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. We are to let our light shine for the gospel, for Jesus. And we are to do this whether it is at work, at school, in the dorm, with roommates, with family members, wherever it is that we go. And rather than staying silent or just kind of going with the flow and staying quiet, if we're doing that, we're slowly capitulating into the culture. And, and, and what will end up happening, though, is we, is we take a stand 
it will start to rub others the wrong way. They will become upset, irritated, infuriated because of the standard and by which we are desiring to live. And a result of that, there will be suffering, there will be trials that will come. It may take some time to show its ugly head, and it may even surprise you at times from where the opposition can come from, but guaranteed it will happen. From being mocked and ridiculed, perhaps being overlooked for promotions or advancements in work, being falsely accused, we may be called or labeled at times as being a goody-two-shoes, a religious wingnut, a fundamentalist, narrow-minded, racist, woman-haters, homophobic, and the like. To stand for Jesus, to stand and to live for Jesus means there will be persecution. Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.12, he says, whoever desires to live a godly life will be persecuted. Not say maybe, will be persecuted. And, and even in the room, wherever you've gathered together today, everyone who is desiring to live a godly life is facing some kind of persecution and trial for standing for God. We don't know what it is for each one of us, but if we are doing that, it's either we're in it, we're coming into it, or we're coming out of it. We will face this. And there are more sobering words from Jesus. It gets worse than this. Jesus said to his disciples in John 15, he says, they hated me, <laughs> they're going to hate you. They persecute me, they're going to persecute you. And folks, it's not hard to see that in the days that we are living, there's a new kind of trouble that is brewing on the horizon for Christians, for true Christians, for true Christianity and for the true church of Jesus Christ. The church, the Christian, the Christians that are standing firm and standing strong on the truth of God's word. And this trouble has been known in many parts of the world nonstop since the early church. But in North America for the last few hundred years, we have had a reprieve from much and such of the persecution that has taken place in other parts of our world. And today, tossing all politics aside... The reality is, the culture is turned. And the culture is turned, and they have set their sights on Christians. And they're coming for biblical Christians. Well, you might say, oh, Melden, you sound so dramatic. No, I'm being realistic. This is true. And sadly, already, they've gotten many of us. They've gotten many of God's people. They've gotten many of churches. And sadly and so easy for many Christians and churches, we've already submitted to the culture in many areas. In areas of entertainment, in the areas of living, in the areas of the way we conduct our business, there's very little difference. We are called to a holy standard, a high standard, a sanctifying work happening in our lives. And, and yet, it, it's this frog in the kettle scenario we've just kind of just assimilated into the world in some very sad and different ways that, that people look at our lives and they don't even see much of a difference between us and others around us. Write this down. encourage you to write this down. Christianity without courage is cultural atheism. It's a powerful statement. I read it this week. Christianity without courage is, a, is cultural atheism. It means we must stand for Christ. We have been told to move the markers when it comes to theology. 
Don't take the Bible so seriously, so literally. I've been told that in recent years. Don't submit to the whole counsel of God's Word. You can kind of now pick and choose and, 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 and cut and paste and delete whatever you want from God's Word. We are made to feel embarrassed and ashamed about defining traditional marriage as such as, as the Bible defines it and describes it. Or holding a sane view and understanding when it comes to gender. Or standing for the rights of the unborn. We are made to look foolish. We are made to look silly. The day of casual commitment to the gospel must come to an end. And yet the question is, will many stand? Will few or many stand? Will few or many ultimately truly be saved? Jesus asks us to make sure that we are on the narrow road. He compels us to be on the narrow road, the narrow road that leads to life, to eternal life. And yet he says some sobering words that it may not seem that there may be many travelers on that road. Some of these things that I've just shared with you, um, they're not my original thoughts, um, but they're from a book that I've just started to read. Uh, shameful plug, but it's actually a very good book, uh, book that my uncle just released the day after the election. He didn't want this to seem political or have any sort of political motivation to it at all. But it's this book, We Will Not Be Silenced. And, and it's, it's a call for the church to take a stand and to be the church, to live on mission, to live lives that are different, to live lives that are, are, are honoring to God. And, and we've ordered a number of these books, and you can actually pre-order them. And, and there's instructions in the e-news this week, and we'll be in the e-news again next week, of how you can pre-order and secure your copy of them. I think they'll be $15, something reasonable. We're just getting them shipped here and just getting them to you to get them in your hands. And so we want to know how many we should order. And if you'd like a copy of that, I encourage you to do that. But we are called to represent Jesus at this pivotal time in history. No matter the trial... No matter the struggle, whatever the fear that we are facing, it's it because it's in the midst of these trials that we have opportunity for our roots to go down in the time of confusion that we see instead of spending so much time on social media, on all the news sites, on everything that is going on, watching YouTube videos. Why not be studying God's Word and, 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 and digging deep into the truths of who He is? And we'll find that, that the fear subsides and our joy and our strength and our victory and our focus changes because it's on Christ and His Word. And in the midst of trial, we then have opportunity to proclaim Christ the most powerfully. Because when we are weak, but we're relying on Him, we are strong. Oh, would we prepare to suffer well. And here's the key way that we can do that. I encourage you to write this down. Number two, fight fear with fear. We are to prepare to suffer well, but then we are to fight fear with fear. So, well, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Well, I trust it will in a moment. Look what Peter says when facing fears and troubles and persecution. Last part of verse 14, he says, Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy. Man, if that could be our mantra for this next week, if that would be the mantra of our lives, of our church for the next month, have no fear of them. Have no fear of what might be coming. Nor be troubled. But instead, 
in your hearts, honor Christ, the Lord, as holy. This is how we fight fear. This is how we stand strong in trials. We are not to fear what comes our way, yet we do, don't we? A lot. And fear can be so crippling and so life-robbing and so joy-stealing. It can rule and ruin our lives. There are so many fears that we face, and they can be so crippling as we obsess, as we worry, as we wonder how things will work out. And Peter is saying when suffering, when facing trials, when even fear comes our way, don't worry about it. Have no fear. Instead, he tells us what we are to do. The last part of verse 14, Peter quotes from Isaiah 8. He he quotes it rather roughly, but this is where he gets this from. And and in Isaiah 8, Judah, the southern kingdom of Israel, were fearing an invasion that was coming their way because of their disobedience. And they were trying or they were considering to make a pact with a foreign country, something that God has told them in their word, don't you dare do that. But they were considering because they're like, ah, we're going to be in trouble. And, And instead, Isaiah tells them, don't fear the enemy, fear God. Fight fear with fear. In your hearts, we're told, honor God, honor Christ, honor the Lord as holy. In your hearts, worship Him. In your minds, get your mind focused on our great and our wonderful God. We are to fight fear with fear. Write this down. What you fear, you worship. What we fear, we're going to worship that. And also this, we can worship fear or we can worship Jesus. We have a choice. Who are we going to worship? What are we going to worship this week? The fear of the unknown, the circumstances we're currently facing, or can we worship Jesus? See, we all struggle with fear in one area or another, and some of you might say, oh no, I don't struggle with fear at all. That's just a bunch of, that's not true. It, it, It just isn't. We all have a capacity to fear. And some of us, we do it really well, don't we? Oh, man. I've walked through some seasons, painful, lonely, seasons of debilitating fear. Even in one season was so difficult, this was years ago, that I thought it would eventually take my life. Because, and I just thought, if this is what life is going to be, it's not worth living. And I thought for sure that I would die an early death. And some of you can relate to fear, debilitating fear. It just keeps you from forging ahead in God's plan and purpose for your life. It's affecting your your life. It's affecting your marriage, your family. It's affecting your future because you just don't know what to do. And you're living in areas of fear in your life. And whether it's during the day or whether it's in the middle of the night, you're fighting this fear. And the key to fear is fear. See, a lesser fear is conquered by a greater fear. And we fight with a greater fear. And our greater fear is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We are to fear and worship and adore and revere Jesus. He is the greater, fear, the greater one that we are to fear. And it's not a run and cower and be hiding from him kind of fear. It's that reverence. It's that awe, that amazement of how wonderful and how marvelous and how loving and how good and how powerful our God is. 
This is how we fight the battles that we face. It's Jesus that we ought to fear and revere and adore. Look at what it says in verse 15. But in your hearts, honor. Some translations will say, sanctify Christ the Lord as holy. That's key. It's not just about singing your way out of your trial. It's also about doing a heart examination, a work in your heart that needs to happen. And, and sanctifying, honoring Christ as holy, this means that we turn everything over to him. He is Lord. We are not. He's in control. I am not. We are surrendered to him. We live with a desire to please him and glorify him first and foremost. He is our highest goal. He is to be our highest desire. We are to put Christ in a category in our lives all by himself. And this is where he is to get our first and our best, not our last and our worst. And so oftentimes that's what he gets. Whether it's time with him in our God time daily, ah, if there's time. Yeah, if there's time left over and and usually it's kind of just kind of scurried in there. How about with our, our, our time with God, in our time, in our treasure, in our talents? If there's leftover time and ability or money, then, then I may give that to the Lord's work. You see, this is about the Lordship of Jesus Christ. It speaks of where our heart's devotion really is. You see, we can fake it. And we can fake it and look like we're making it. But in our heart of hearts, where are we devoted to? What is at the center of our heart's devotion? What is this at the center of your heart's devotion? Is it your identity? Is it your reputation? What other people think about you? Is it about your looks? Is it about your possessions? About your money? About your personal goals? That you can outsmart other people in, in getting the best marks or whatever it might be? What has your heart's devotion? It's... For it to be Christ and for us to fight our battles and to fight our fear with fear, it comes with us saying, Christ, you are first. It's about longing for his glory to be displayed first and foremost in our lives. And until we get to that place, until we rest there, trouble, fear, anxiety, inner and outer turmoil will win the day. And we will become basket cases. We just will. John Piper said, don't fear man, hello Christ. Hello him as supreme. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, verse 28, he says, do not fear those who kill the body. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. We are to fear God. We are to honor and hello and worship and adore Christ. We recognize that he is sovereign, he is holy, he is glorious, he is majestic. And in the midst of the trial, in the midst of the suffering, in the midst of the fear, whatever it is that has you in shackles today or that is going to take and try to bring you into captivity this next week, whether it's in the middle of the day or at night, we are to set apart Christ in our lives as holy as we worship and adore him and and submit to him and submit to his word in brokenness and just saying, oh God, I can't, but with you I can. Being obedient to his word 
And that is where we will find safety and security and his peace in the midst of trouble, no matter what comes. Knowing that our lives are 100% secure with the promise of his presence now and the life to come. The promise of glory, the promise of heaven. And it's so easy to become so casual about this, to become so distracted with the things of this world, to become so lukewarm. I like this quote from one of our GCC, Great Commission Collective Pastors. He said this, One of the greatest blessings of growing up in the church is you hear about Jesus all the time. And one of the greatest dangers is you hear about Jesus all the time. And that's the good and that's the not so good. We are to sanctify him as holy. Look for ways to go deeper with Jesus to study and learn, to be part of a group and, and, and have accountability in your life for being in the Word of God. You see, your relationship that you had last year with the Lord, last month with the Lord, is not deep enough for what you are going through today or what you are going to be facing in the future. We need to dig into God's Word. We are to grow in the area of prayer in our lives. Join us Thursday nights. Say, I'm busy. Really? Really? I know some of you are, and there's legitimate reasons, but are there adjustments that can be made as we take time on Zoom to, to, to Zoom in and to join our prayer time where we do some teaching, and this is about teaching us a greater intimacy and greater passion and a greater understanding of prayer, and then we pray together as God's people. Encourage you to be growing your prayer life, growing time in the Word of God. Now let's say here today for an example, I'm going to pull this out here, that this bowl that we have represents our life. This bowl represents our lives, and, and, and the fact is none of it's empty. This, this, this bowl um, is filled. And, and oftentimes what, what fills our lives are, 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 are fears and worries and things that we obsess over, whether it's night or day, idols that we're clinging to, and, and let's just, you know, some of the things that cause us concern and worry, things like the future. And, and so we have fears of the future and concern of, you know, what's going to be happening. Or, or maybe it's a bitterness, some bitterness or some hurt that you experienced in your life. And, and, and so you're carrying that and you're carrying that on a daily basis. And, and, or maybe it's guilt. A lot of you are robbed by guilt from the past. The enemy loves. The Holy Spirit convicts the devil. He loves to convict. or He loves to make us feel guilty over things that are already under the blood of Christ. And so we're walking with guilt from the past. And so we're carrying that. Or maybe it's, maybe there's some just some good old-fashioned hatred for certain people, for a person, for something that's happened, and there's just a hate in your life. There's a little corner of hate somewhere in, in, in there. Or maybe your concern or your fear is your family. There's issues going on there in marriage with your children, with grandchildren, whatever it might be. And you carry this burden and this, and this concern day after day and it's, it's there, it's in you. It's, it, it's maybe, it's health. It's a health issue. You're concerned about what's going on in your body or the body of a loved one and you're, you're concerned about your health or maybe it's about finances. 
And, and yeah, that's a dollar sign. And, and trust you can see that. And, and, and you know, just like, what's going to happen? Am I going to get looked after? Or where's my retirement going to be? What's going to happen to that sale? What's going to happen to my investments? What's going to happen to my career? And so we worry. That should be a huge rock because I know that's huge for so many of us oftentimes. Or, or maybe there's a hurt. There's a hurt from the past. And so you're carrying these things. And, and then I just had um, one, I put M. It doesn't stand for Meldon. Um, it stands for miscellaneous. And, and you fill in the blanks of what it is that you are carrying and walking around with day after day. And these things just, they weigh us down. And these things just, j- just kind of just keep kind of steaming out and, and just causing us so many problems. But here's what we are to do with them. We are to take and we are to fight fear with fear. And, and, and let's, let's say that this here, this water represents our worship. And we are to surround our fears and we are to face them and we are to cover them with the truth that we find in God's word. And we cover it over and we, we continue just to fight and to stand in faith over the fears and the different things that we're facing. And, and, and we worship until Christ occupies all of it, every part of it. This is fear conquering worship. Taking God in his word and taking and claiming the promises that we have. It's praying and calling out to him. It's worship and it's adoration. Lately, I've been fighting my fears. I've been fighting the, the, the battles that I've been going through with, with worship songs. And, and a lot of them lately have been old hymns. And just the truth and, and just the, the victory that we find as we set our affection on the gospel and what God has done for us through his son Jesus. And this is how we conquer our fears. But if you're noticing something, the water's leaking out of there. Because the fact is, is that life drains us and, and, and these things happen. And so we have to continue to keep fighting our fear with, with more worship, with more fear and more adoration, more of the word, more prayer, more seeking God in our lives. And we, th- this is how we fight. This is how we stand strong. And so we, because it's going to leak out on us. And so daily and hourly and moment by moment, put our gaze, get our thoughts and our focus on Christ. We must remember that in all of this, then that one day, one day for every child of God, we will one day see our Savior face to face. And one day, all the trials, all the fears, all the concerns, everything that we face will be erased, will be gone. And God's glory will be revealed. Oh, what a day that will be. May we fight our fear with fear. And then thirdly, would we boldly, let gently, and boldly and gently, yet gently declare Christ? Do we have that point there on the screen? And as it says in verse 15, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do this with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good if that should be God's will, then for doing evil. We are to have no fear, but boldly declare Christ. No matter what happens, we are not to remain silent. We are to stand for what God's word stands for. We are to stand for and with Christ. And we ought to be ready to give an explanation for our faith. Give an explanation of the gospel to those who ask around us. Our hope is to be anchored in the gospel. And that is what we are to share with others. That word defense that you see there in verse 15 is where we get the word apologetics from. 
But this isn't just kind of a, a sport about us looking good to, to, to find an argument and try to win someone over through, through our wise words and, and, and through maybe some spiritual sucker punches to trying to destroy our opponent's views. No, it's learning to articulate with gentleness and respect the truths of the gospel and the Christian faith. Being able to study and learn and to give a defense that's so important. But this takes courage to stand, to hold to the truth. Not to be judgmental, but be carefully listening to where others are at and then showing them the truth of God from his word with compassion and humility. May we grow in this as a church. May we grow in this as individuals as we take steps of faith in the coming days and the weeks to boldly yet gently declare Christ. Let's bow together in prayer. Before we pray, I just want to ask you what needs to be covered saturated in worship, in reverence, in the fear of God this morning? Who is it or what is it that needs to be surrendered to Jesus in your life? When you came in today, you came with, there was rocks placed on your seat, and if you were watching online in the online lobby, you were encouraged to grab a rock from somewhere outside. And there's an opportunity, there should be a Sharpie somewhere in your little bubble section where you're sitting. And you may want to write the name of that fear, that hurt, that trial, that person, that situation. You may want to write it, you may not. But you take and you hold on to that and say, I need to surround this and I need to commit this to Jesus. And I want to praise and I want to declare Christ as king over this situation. Christ who has authority over this. Today it is my desire to fight fear with the right kind of fear. It is my desire today to be set apart for him. Darren's going to be singing in a few moments and there's a familiar part of this song and you may want to sing along where you're at. But as you just remain seated and listen to this song, would this just be a time of surrender knowing that, that one day the trials and the difficulties and the frustrations that we're walking through will one day be settled. And so God, we know that trials and difficulties will come in various forms. And some right now are in the midst of some great trials. Would we take that trial, that circumstance, that fear, whether it's of the future or what's happening even right now in our lives, and we would surround it with a fear and a reverence and a worship of you? Would we repent and return to you where needed, confessing, lukewarmness, a half-hearted faith, making things right with others where we have hurt or offended others. And God, would we then celebrate knowing that one day for all who know you and love you and live for you that, that you have life beyond compare, waiting for your children, an eternity of rejoicing where we sing and shout the victory.